Hello, everybody. Thanks again for joining us on the Whole Body Podcast. I'm really fortunate today to be able to speak with Toma, who is um, a nutritionist and also a type 1 diabetic. So, Toma, tell us a little bit about what you do and whatever else you feel like. Yeah, so basically what I do is what led me to everything. It's uh, my story that I already said in previous podcasts that basically I was unbalanced for many, many years with my type 1 diabetes. Uh, today I'm 32, but I got it at the age of 11. And mm. I had a long, long journey with that condition. I don't like to call it a disease because autoimmune uh, diseases, as they say, I would like, I prefer to call them conditions. I think the body and the science, we can dive to it, to it uh, is not always really good at uh, defining these conditions. But anyway, I was dealing with that for uh, many years, for 15 years, and I got to a point that I was completely unbalanced. And I just realized uh, on a really one of the lowest points of my life in diabetes ketoacidosis, which is a DKA in the scientific term that actually I, I have two paths that I can walk in right now. It, it was like my life divided for two. So one is to be to take control over this condition, disease, however, however you want to call it. And the other is to keep on, uh, as they always told me, just eat whatever you want, do whatever you want. Just don't forget to press on the insulin pump on that. And that is the devastating. Wow. Um, yeah, oh, and wow. that is the approach that actually led me to everything that I experienced in the diabetes ketoacidosis. And when I realized that, I, I just saw that blood glucose, it sounds like a really minor uh, value, maybe in the blood test, but I know today that it affects everything I do. It affects my mood, my um, also my my mental my mental uh, mm -hmm. level, like my, my mental, everything that I feel, actually my thoughts and the clear the clarity of mind if i'm tired if i'm happy if i'm uh, efficient in what wow. i do or not and wow yeah yeah so everything that i do and then it led me to many other things like low carbohydrate diet and i decided to make it a profession and to help others in the same path good job so what did did you study at a university or what was your nutritional background because i have a bachelor of nutrition what what did you end up doing because there's many pathways yeah, true. In um, in my country, you have uh, the path of like the clinical part of it. So it's a Bachelor of Science in Nutrition mm -hmm. and that takes three years. And then you make another uh, six months of uh, you you practice in a hospital or in a general uh, right. clinic of the, with the public. And yeah, and, and that's it's a really it's a clinical profession. Then you can work alongside the medical doctors in wh whatever field you choose. Great, great. And how long ago did you do that, Toma? I finished with that not long ago, like, um, in the past year, but yep. I I am a personal trainer. I've been for the past uh, oh, right, almost okay. 15 years. Yep. Yeah, and actually when this, this field of fitness and everything, I didn't know that I never could imagine that it will lead me so deep to actually help people from the root of their problems. But in the beginning, I was a personal trainer. I believed in a workout in order to feel good, to lose weight, yeah. maybe to feel yeah. better. But I never got so deep to nutrition uh, until the moment of the diabetes ketoacidosis, which really gave me like a punch in the face and changed my life course. So what can I ask? What does that feel like? 
for for you as a type one diabetic when you're in the uh, ke- uh, ketoacidosis. What does that feel like? Yeah, the, actually, it feels re- you feel like your body is in danger, basically, and um, mm. you. It's everything. Like your muscles are weak, and the one of the strongest symptoms is actually that you smell like acetone from the mouth. Oh, oh uh, yes. Yeah, so that's actually, that's a, the strongest indicator of uh, diabetes ketoacidosis. And what happens in the blood in this, at this moment that the uh, ketones are being produced in a toxic level. It's not, it's nothing that you probably know and your viewers and uh, listeners know that uh, keto, ketogenic diet. So it's a completely different uh, mechanism in the body. And also the amount of ketones are much higher. It's a, all, it's a whole other level of ketones in the blood. So is it true then that it's not only high ketones, it's high blood sugar at the same time? It's true that high blood g- glucose, um, yeah, it's in most cases that what leads to that. But uh, you have today what we call eoglycemic diabetes ketoacidosis, which that can happen from uh, if you get uh, dehydrated or other conditions. So it can happen also when you eoglycemic when the blood glucose is normal but uh, uh, it's mostly yes. when the blood glucose is high that, that's what happened to me i got really high and how do they how do they fix that for you what happens when you go to hospital what's the treatment for you it's basically every treat any treatment for also a person that will get um alcohol toxicity you just give him a lot of liquids and with the type 1 diabetes, you also get, of course, the insulin uh, straight to the vein. So that okay. immediately that calmed down my um, my entire body because the, when you don't have insulin, you actually, your cells are starving. And I felt it yes. really. I felt that I I'm, I was like uh, on, an, on the verge of a coma. I really felt it in my head. Oh. That oh. It's like uh, I was close to there. And yeah, and it's actually, it's a life-threatening complication. And... The funny thing is that it's really easy to avoid it if you just do low carb diet and you really balance yourself. But that's that's a thing that I knew only um, retro retrospective, looking at yes. looking at it from the future. Because before that, I just I've been told from the doctors just eat whatever you want, don't don't worry. And actually, it's funny that I was also never introduced to this condition, and no one told me, okay, if you will have a smell of acetone from your breath, so you will do this that. No, no one told me these instructions. <laughs> I had to walk along. Because I know sometimes when people are on a keto diet, they test their breath for the acetone. That's what all those breathing um, apparatuses you can buy different testers, ketone testers. But obviously I am suspecting that for someone that's breathing out acetone in a ketoacidosis state or a diabetic acidosis state, they are breathing high levels. Is that correct? Yeah, it's high levels and you, we have to understand that you can also get to, to that condition uh, without diabetes, but you will have to, to put yourself in a serious mode of starvation. That's uh-huh. what happens. And the body uh-huh. desperately wants to get energy from different sources and it produces ketones and then um, there is no any um, regulation on that mechanism. Uh-huh. It's going, it's going, going, going. It doesn't stop, just keeps going. Yeah, it's kind of like a desperate move of the body and you produce and produce without any... Bodies are amazing, aren't they? Our bodies are amazing what they do without us knowing. Um, yeah. So back back in time, in history, before we had insulin, 
uh, how was type 1 diabetes or how was it treated? Do we know? Do you, do you know? Do you have any history or understanding of that? Yeah. Yeah, basically the first documented case in history, that's what they think because the symptoms are really, uh, they are really aligned with the symptoms that we know today. So they take it back to ancient Egypt like huh. around 3000 years ago. And they, they assume that these people had type 1 diabetes because the symptoms are documented. They really are the same. But uh, if, you, if we, ta- we go even back in time for, to the uh, Stone Age or, or even before, you know, to the times where, um, when we were in caves, so it was a death sentence. And uh, because without insulin, no any mammal on earth can survive. And mm. until the invention of insulin, that was... Um, it's pretty much that that was the meaning you you die slowly and they knew also in the old days that low carbohydrate diet even with with no presence of insulin or uh, artificial insulin it can extend much significantly the time of survival of the individual but then when insulin got invented so it's a whole different game all that went out the window and insulin came in and became the gold standard i guess is that's what happened yeah, yeah. I- insulin is not a medication as you probably know it's a hormone that the body of each and every one uh, of our friends that doesn't have diabetic diabetes or your listeners so right now at this moment when they listen to us or watch us so the body produces it all the time and with no insulin there is no life and uh, the artificial insulin became uh, to to the scene like, only in the in the last century and then mm. it was like uh, of course a breakthrough in science but yeah. it also it was also a bit uh, masking the the real solution for this issue because when you give insulin you basically tell people okay you have this like um plan b and now you can just eat whatever you want it doesn't matter just uh, go wild and uh, we have the insulin but it, so it doesn't insulin, the root cause yeah so taking insulin for a long time over your life and not just staying on an insulin pump and not choosing to eat a low carbohydrate diet obviously i suspect from what i've read and from what i've understood the uh, more carbohydrates you eat the more insulin you have to ingest or have in that pump going through so what does that do to the human body those because obviously they're abnormal levels they're not someone who's not diabetic wouldn't have those levels of insulin in their bodies what does it do do to them what does it do to our bodies when we're in high insulin high insulin levels yeah, but it's important to understand that the same principles apply for diabetics and non-diabetics. If you eat more yeah. carbohydrates, yeah. you will inject more insulin or either your pancreas will produce more insulin. But basically, yeah. it's all it's the same. It's all the same. Just the source of insulin is different. But uh, what I saw as a type 1 diabetic, just that the normal treatment still to this very day, to this moment that we speak, is just eat whatever you want, eat a lot of carbohydrates, just inject on that and if you get to 200 milligram per deciliter or maybe 300 that we know that the normal ranges are to 120 milligram per deciliter we can adjust it to the australian units but that's that's pretty much telling you go double or even quadruple than the one than the normal the physio- physiological balance and then uh, that means that uh, there will be a lot of glycation in the tissues, mm. which today mm. we know glycation is the most inflammatory process in Mm-mm. the body. But it is, so, for sure. Yeah, and it leads to multifunctional uh, 
uh, result. You can get uh, you can be much more insulin um, resistant, which that means that the insulin that you inject, you will need more of that, and you will you you will uh, store more fat because the glucose in the body eventually turns into fat when it's high and it doesn't have anywhere to go. So That's it's right. multifunctional. Mm -mm. It's um it's crazy. I had I have a friend that I haven't seen for about thirty years, and I saw him recently. Um, and he is a type one diabetic. I had no idea that he was, and he's quite a big guy now. He's a big, big fellow, and um, he has not got his uh, type one at all under control. And he just sees a specialist that just tells him to just inject more insulin. It's a bit um for me to watch. It was a bit heartbreaking because I guess the people, you know, they're happy with their lives and they're not ready to hear the story that you can control it with a lower carb diet not ready to hear it so they just their bodies are just reacting to the insulin i guess that's why i was asking you that question <laughs> yeah it's reacting but uh, within time you see that the insulin you use you will need more of that because high blood glucose leads to higher blood glucose that's how it goes in in nature yeah. and uh, insulin resistant lead to more insulin resistance so you need to break that cycle by low carbohydrate diet and then you all you need to do is really to make your doses right and to think as the pancreas, I always say it here in a in my language that think as the pancreas is probably the one of the most important principles in type one because when you start think like that, so you understand that the, 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 the pancreas is always reacting to whatever happens, and if you react also when you get to a active kind of treatment, so you really control it, and then low carbohydrate diet lead to small mistakes, which that's what uh, the great doctor Richard Bernstein. Yes. Uh, Fabulous. Actually, that's what he implied. That that's his uh, kind of principle. That he said that low numbers lead to small mistakes, and and big numbers lead to big mistakes. And by that, <laughs> by numbers, he mean uh, carbohydrates and insulin. So of course he was right. And today he's 90 and he's type one diabetic for uh, over 75 years now. And low low wow. carbohydrate diet. That's what. That's the answer. So so how did you change your diet when you? decided to take the second pathway and not rely on insulin. What, what, what happened? What changed? What did it feel like? What happened to me has happened to many diabetics that they saw, saw the light kind of, uh, they took the <laughs> red pill, you know, as they say, <laughs> I just, because really I just, all, all that was in my mind, just that I must uh, gain control over this condition. And I didn't know exactly where it will lead me. Um, I was reading a lot of Dr. Berenstein. He was like the father of diabetes. And I, I was taught, and he said a lot of low carbohydrate diet. And I was, I was experimenting with that. But before I got to him, I, I always tried some uh, vegan diet, some fruitarian, some many kinds. Just I tried for each month different diet. And I saw that basically we all know it. And Dr. Berenstein discovered it before me that carbohydrates is the one factor that affects our blood glucose. Uh, in maybe 80% of our blood glucose fluctuations. And when we control that and we understand and really become educated about our carbohydrates, so we really control this condition. And then we, every child can do it. You just need to dose correctly and to, re to react to everything that happens. But that's really technical. So it's a big learning, big learning about your own body, about how your body responds, which which is I, which is what I say to all my clients, even when they want me to give them a food plan. I say, well, this is a guide, but really you need to work out for you what your body does 
and that must be the same. That's what you're talking about, the same situation. Yeah, absolutely. And you see it in every condition, not only autoimmune condition, every modern condition mm -hmm. or modern disease that we see today for each person, there would it's be different. a slightly different reaction. We know today that the low carbohydrate diets are significantly, significantly lower every inflammatory factor. And if, if you go carnivore, even more mm. because you eliminate so much food from your diet, but basically you need to go to go for that for yourself. And that's what I've done. And some diabetics that I work with, they can add some milk products, some they don't, some they, they add mm. some, maybe some nuts sometimes, unroasted nuts, and it's fine for them. And they know how to control it. You just, you really need to go by yourself. And today many people are a bit afraid of this uh, mm. sentence that you say, go yourself that path or you don't, don't listen uh, to the doctor that's uh, in other worlds for sometimes like the doctor is not always God. And then when uh -huh. you realize that and you walk the path, so you see that actually you you found uh, the partner that you, you were always looking for, that's your body and you get to know yes. it. The best. Get to know. I like that. That's great. <laughs> so did you have, how long did it take you to flip the switch? If we want to use that term to stop, do you, do you not use insulin at all now or is it minimal amount or? Yeah, it's minimal amount. You as a type one diabetic, you can't walk without insulin like any other mammal. It doesn't matter if yeah. you're diabetic, you can't walk without insulin. But I significantly lowered my doses, of course, to uh, around twenty percent, even less than what I used right. to. If in the past, I used yeah, if I used to uh, get to average daily average of eighty, even ninety sometimes. So today I used around twenty units. Mm. So uh, we talk about twenty-four hours. Uh, units uh, that's a um, it's a not it's like a average but then I saw the, that um, it took me some time but the mm. more you dive into it you you probably know it from the cases that you dealt with in your own life that the more you dive into it actually the the more it gets better and it gets more accurate and it's easier to understand yeah yeah it's easier and you and you sometimes after a year I see uh, that one factor in my diet is affecting me. So I eliminate that also. And then I experience with that. And that's what I love about nutrition. And actually in that, in those six months after I got out of the hospital of the ER unit in my diabetes ketoacidosis uh, experience. So that all I, all I've done, I, I was at, at my home. I was going out <laughs> for, to the sun one hour a day. And the rest of yeah. the time I was just eating and reading literature. Um, about diabetes and also scientific literature. And it also got me to Dr. Bernstein book, Diabetes Solution, which is, six, which is 600 pages book in yeah. English and it's half scientific. And everything that I read, I tried and I got it better. And I just saw that it works. And at that stage, I also decided to become a clinical nutritionist because from the excitement that just, wow, food mm. is affecting everything that I do, every, everything, my mood, my, my sleep, my connection with the with the people that i love uh, they mm -hmm. they saw that i i'm much more concentrated i'm much more positive all the time it's just it was amazing to me it was like a miracle like in the movies oh. and then i said okay i have to share that with people yes fantastic and did you have did you need the support of a medical doctor or to, to stop using insulin like is it like a, a sliding scale where you use less 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 or is it an instant change your diet and the insulin levels that you need to use is instant. Um, 
It was quite, I, I've done it in the best way. I think that uh, you, any diabetic can do it. I did, I've done it gradually. Good which, job, uh, yeah. Yeah, in, in diabetes, and I think any condition gradually is, the, is key yeah. because yeah. You, you don't want one day you eat, um, I don't know, um, McDonald's and desserts and, and ice creams and the next day you go zero gram uh, carbs. That would be really devastating for your body and you will see a lot of hypoglycemias and a lot of other effects and it will be bad and you, and you will get back to the diet because you will blame that. But <laughs> you need to yeah, do yeah, it really yeah. gradually. So that was... Uh, that was really important to do it gradually, and I had uh, I was uh, fortunate to have a doctor that really support low carb carbohydrate diet for diabetics. is um, is a famous endocrinologist uh, in my country, so that was uh, a good Fantastic. that was a good uh, part for me. But I work also with many diabetics that they just they go to this path on their own and. Eventually, it's a very, very uh, daily condition, diabetes, yeah. type 1 diabetes yeah. especially. And yeah. you, anyway, you can't really rely on one visit for the doctor, for the, uh, the doctor office for uh, every three months. It, it's impossible. And what about um, during when you're sleeping? Like, do you need to, like some people have an insulin pump at night that wakes them up or gives them an alarm that tells them they need to have more insulin. What about... How does the low carb diet affect that time? Uh, sleeping is one of the biggest challenges for diabetics. It was all it always have been like that. Today, what you mean uh, by the insulin pump? It's also the continuous glucose monitor. We call it CGM. Uh -huh. That actually that shows us. It gives us a window to this black hole that we call it. We it was always uh -huh. like a black hole the nights for diabetics. If you were fortunate to have a family member or a mother or a father that will test your blood glucose once a night so that that had been great but today with the cgm with the continuous glucose monitors we actually we see every, all the graph and every every trend during the night so that's huge but uh, when i eliminated carbohydrate and i stopped eating four or five hours pr prior going to sleep so actually i saw that it, the night gets very predictable and if i have to ah. make a correction so it's maybe like 10 15 milligram per deciliter it means um one unit in the australian units and that's it's really easy to to adjust it it's very as dr bernstein said the low numbers rule but and today i walk with the cgm i you can you see it all uh, the time yeah it's in the back of my hand and i have just worn one of those i have just had one of those it's a little bit of an experiment for myself to see what blood sugar does for me so that i can keep a track of it it's um what i found interesting is even when i'm driving in traffic if i'm stressed that blood sugar will for me goes up not you know i'm not a type one diabetic or type two but just as a normal person if that's the word we want to use or a non-diabetic person um i was amazed at how much stress raises that blood sugar yeah it, it does for how much does it raise you? You know, you remember? Uh, oh, not not a lot. Like say from, I guess for me, I guess maybe from four point nine to five point three or something. It just jumps up, and then it comes back down quickly. So that's Australian numbers. Um, yeah. So not 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 real big swings, but still enough. It's a uh, but still you can uh, you can. Uh, it's significant enough, but uh, you, we see it as diabetes. We know we know it. Uh, diabetics, we know it for many years. That also any really mental uh, or stress uh, incident if, or immediately affects the blood glucose. And people that 
uh, speak in front of audience and get to this fight or flight mode they see it in the se- in the second that it happens the there is a serious spike in the blood glucose and yeah that of course and the cgm ge- allows us to see it I should have checked that because I spoke at a conference a few months ago and I couldn't get my words out. My heart was pumping and racing and I bet you my blood sugar was up high. But I guess that brings me to the point of, um, because I'm amazed at how the world has changed, like our body composition has changed since the 80s. We know that was when all the processed food began in our country to be introduced into our food pyramid. So, um, of course, that means our body shapes have changed and we've all got a bit thicker around the middle and I wonder how, in your country, how GPs measure that. What is the blood glucose level where they say, oh, you need to watch your glucose levels or give them a warning or advise people to drop the carbs in their diet? Because I don't think that's happening very much in Australia. I think they're able to, I think they're able to get up to around about 6 or 6.5, which for me feels high. That sounds high. Yeah, it it is high. It's um well it's, at my my uh, units uh, the metric units here it's uh, the milligram per deciliter. So you have to multiply in eighteen the Australian yeah. unit in order to get it. So it's um what here it's one hundred and twenty, which is similar to what you told me one hundred and uh, over one hundred and twenty. So you get already the pre-diabetic. Um, uh, the pre-diabetic um, uh, basically six, definition. Yeah, 6.6, 6. 6. 6, that would be. Yeah, yeah. that's high. Mm-mm. And um, of course, it's they change it all the time, you know, because it used to be it used to be a yes. bit higher and then they wanted yes. to reduce it in order to, it, uh, some mm. will say, in order to use um, metformin more and some, some would say in order to prevent. But um, they, they always change it. But basically, the, the situation here that the doctor will only call you when you when it's already uh, too late <laughs> yeah yeah because Basically. all that time all that time that it's been elevated things are happening in your body like blood pressure is up and heart problems and your waist gets thicker your brain fog comes as you've as you've already expressed all those things are happening and i think because it happens so gradually, up, up to about 10 years, it can start beginning to happen before there's an actual diagnosis. You you think that's just normal for you. People just think that's just the way they are. They don't understand that there can be a difference. Yeah, and people can walk around for decades in a really in the gray area of between yeah. diabetic yeah. and non-diabetic. And if you ask people like Dr. Bernstein, he will tell you that any A1C above five, which is really low, it's beginning to show yes. uh, complications. But if you take, for example, even um, my family members, so some of them, they walk around for decades with A1C of 5.9 and the yes. doctors don't say anything because it's right before six, but yes, six right. is already diabetic. Six, it means that uh, your pancreas is maybe half and less walking half of the pancreas is walking it's working six yeah, is, yeah. it's pretty serious it's hard work um and I, I guess if you can the sooner you can find out whether you're a type 2 diabetic the better it is for your body because you can make the changes gradually and not not suddenly you can actually manipulate your own help your own healing pathway that way yeah 
It's, yeah, um, type two definitely. Type two is also a, is is a curable disease. That's what's amazing about it. It's I don't know if it's even a disease. It's more like no, a condition or a yeah, yeah. It's a developing condition that it that it's a reversible completely. So I think the definition of disease is not really applies here because unless some very extreme cases that you will see some uh, people, in, but it's really maybe one percent the people that really they get to maybe four hundred kilos uh, weight and then they they completely demolish their pancreas ability to produce insulin but besides that it almost always you you lose weight you reduce carbohydrate you let the body more um you make the body more efficient metabolically so you solve the problem so tell me about metformin how does that actually work what do you know about that because i know a little bit but probably you know a lot basically what what's metformin does it's um it it makes the the absorption much more um much more rapid and by that it it's also um it's it doesn't work really to heal the, the pancreas it's more like a, like a it, it it can lead to a burnout of the of the cells from other other mechanism but it's not it's not really as insulin it's more like a, a over it's another way like a, a detour to make the <laughs> the absorption better and to also to stimulate the pancreas but it's a slippery slope because then you can really make the pancreas actually exert much much faster and if you your pancreas had 20 years so it can get it can get the the beta cells much, much sorry much more um, much faster uh, to uh, exertion actually mm-hmm. so uh, it it can be really efficient if you give it a as a limited time period you you give the patient limited time period and you then it can give him the or, or her the extra push to get the pancreas uh, relieve again and then or you can gradually reduce okay. it yeah, yeah, but okay. some people they stay on metformin for many many years and that's that leads to its own complication like, like any pill yeah, yeah it's just another pill to take to band-aid the problem isn't it yeah so what absolutely. so so you're a nutritionist in Israel. Do you have a clinic or do you have people popping in? Is it just a type 1 diabetic um, situation or do you treat all sorts of different um, conditions or states of the body? Yeah, I have my clinic in Tel Aviv. Now it's uh, very active also online, but my clinic is based in Tel Aviv. We have the patients every day. We have the uh, the office staff uh, helping them and getting the all the information from them and all the medical wow. records wow. it's not only me it's uh, yeah it's uh, it's many patients and it's many diabetes diabetics and in israel you have a uh, type 2s quite a lot and mm. type 1s were actually the rarest ones but yeah it's mostly um, my expertise is blood glucose and diabetes but i treat also a lot of autoimmune conditions we uh, recently, we also we got really specialized in thyroid problems yeah, because of I the connection that. to diabetes. So, have, what is that connection? That's what I was leading to to ask you. What is that connection? At type two diabetics, we many times we see also an exertion of the thyroid gland as a part of the endocrine system. Of course, it also gets affected. But in type one diabetes, actually, there is a straight condition, a straight connection because. They both autoimmune, especially the Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Oh, right. Okay. Interesting. How many people are walking around with that? A lot of women that I know have got that condition. 
a lot, yeah? And it's, they call it in science, uh, not a lot of medical doctors talk about it, but it's one of those objects, you know, that the science already way, way ahead in that, but doctors, they don't really talk about it, that they're actually uh, twin diseases. So a lot of time type 1 diabetes will show with Hashimoto's or either Crohn disease or celiac, and you you, you ah. can't always put the finger on, on what led to what. Sometimes uh -uh. maybe Hashimoto have been there before, and it's kind of also they don't really uh, know publicly the reason for uh, type 1 diabetes. So it's the same here. We don't really know what came first, but it shows a lot of time uh, together. It, we call it paired autoimmune diseases or twin diseases. And mm -hmm. uh, you see many women. It's true that many women uh, get affected, especially in the times of... Uh, drastic hormonal change as the as the uh, menopause or yep. as of course pregnancy that many women after pregnancy they see their thyroid go way down mm, they do it's it's tricky isn't it because my son also had um developed quite bad hemochromatosis i don't know if you know much about that as well but it was known as the bronze i think the bronze diabetes back in the day when it was first um known about and he, he's had a terrible time he's, he's good now he's got his blood levels good now but he's had a terrible time so that's another kind of link to diabetes as well yeah it's another uh, autoimmune uh, the autoimmune uh, conditions but the autoimmune families but uh, you he's on a low carb now you mean he's yeah he's gotten better yes he's gotten better but um he was amazing and, uh, my husband and i mostly eat we're more carnivore than anything anymore. So he was worried about eating meat because I've got double gene as well about eating too much red meat, but it doesn't seem to make any difference to me. Seems to be fine. Yeah, it's interesting. Amazing. All these things, Great. they're all tied together. They're all tied, yeah. And they, we, autoimmune, they say today that autoimmune is actually what the science doesn't know the reason for the eruption of the disease. So they put it in one uh, box, like autoimmune diseases, but... I think autoimmune, they, uh, the autoimmune conditions actually they tell all of our story to where we came from and where we are today. That you, when you go against nature, the nature will fight back somehow. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, basically, when we get more, more, the more we get distant from nature, the more the autoimmune conditions, or however you want to call it, uh, the body attacks itself, or doesn't matter, they will rise more and more. And with thyroid, actually, it's very complex because. It's, I like to make it really approachable. It's not really complex in my eyes, but I, yes. was, I, I try to explain it to people that actually the thyroid is, it's not like pancreas and diabetes. There is many, many grades to the, to the, and the many different shades to, to the thyroid uh, function. You can get yes. slightly hypothyroid, you can get completely hypothyroid, and then you will need hormones from the outside like a, the T3 and T4, and you, there is many shades in the middle, and you, you always have to ask yourself what led to this Hashimoto's, which is basically inflammation in the body, what led to that yeah. in the first place? And then you yeah, can get yeah. to the, most, most of the time to the, really to the solution. It's all, I thought it was all um, connected to gut health, to imp, like a permeable gut um, thyroid problems, and all autoimmune problems, it's all about the gut health, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is, and the and the gut is also related to a lot of of things. And 
the gut health actually we build it from the moment and that we were born and even before that when we were in our mother's stomach we yeah. start building our our stomach uh, and our, all of that all of the good microbiome and all that they today they research actually it's it's all built very delicately but in the body uh, since the moment we were born and since we're yeah. fetus and when when you really interact with that and i have a lot of uh, um directions to investigate where the autoimmune conditions originally come from but when you really think of that so if you put a baby like in a, any kind of a unnatural environment or maybe you even get him uh, away from the mother during during the week in the first years of his mm -hmm. life so of the baby's life so actually that can have serious effects and everything matters and the, the baby needs the mother hormones to be closed also uh, through the skin and also through, yes. of course, through the uh, mother milk and everything so important. So if you give the baby, for example, um, artificial formulas, so I think that has a huge um, relation uh, later in the in life for autoimmune conditions. And you said uh, stomach health. So yeah, that's also related and everything is related. Mm -mm -mm. I think so, because also those um, formula milks are full of um, seed oils, aren't they? They have seed oils in them, which are so bad, so bad for us. Yeah, they are. And they're so bad for us. And especially for a baby that was just born and he has to build resilience and build a immune system and everything. So is much more susceptible and you might not see it in the same moment, but 10 years later when he gets type 1 diabetes or you get um, Crohn disease or celiac or, or whatever susceptibility to, to something that you can <laughs> assume that it has something to do. So what, what do you eat in the day now, Chimer? Have you gone so pretty much low carb? Yeah, I had some times since uh, I'm for almost uh, 10 years, basically, I'm low carb in, okay. but yeah. The low carb, it changed for me. There was fluctuation. Sometimes it was zero carbs a day. And I had at times that I was also completely carnivore. I, I experienced with that and that gave my blood glucose uh, the best pre predictability that I ever had. Because of course, mm. when you don't put any carbohydrates and you put only protein and fat, so it, it gets absorbed very uh, slowly and very slowly. smoothly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very predictable. And even if you get a rise, the rise is really slow. It's not like a spike, as you said, yes. like when you have a stress or when you were driving, it's more, the spike is very, very gradual. And then it's really easy to correct. So yes. that was good for me. But today I was already, I, I've been through a lot of changes and I just, I try to eat seasonally also. It's important for me. Yes. So. I, I really I want to be connected to the ground that I live in yes, or to the, to the country good. that I live in. Yeah. So if if I find some low carb vegetables or low carb fruits, which are, some of them are low carb uh, in the season, so I will eat them also. But it's not a must for me. I eat uh, raw milk products when I when I can get them in good quality. Yeah. I eat them also when it when yeah. it's the season of the milking and everything. It's I really try to make it a, a season appropriate. But and the low carb, it's basically a grass-fed meat that's that's what give me the satiation in my diet yep 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 it's good i know i know if i eat it if i eat a nice piece of steak it's like six or seven or longer hours that i'm not hungry for it fills me up fills me yeah. up and some days i can eat i can eat only carnivore and some other days if i'm very active i can add to that uh, some carbohydrates because i need I I must have them. I mm -hmm. see it in my blood glucose. Otherwise, so uh, yeah. if I'm really yeah. active, if I'm going to long walks, if 
I want to make like body weight uh, strength exercise. So mm -hmm. also I will need some carbohydrates. So it really depends on my activity level, but you can say that I base my diet on uh, high quality meat, organs. That's that's really the source and the base of all of that. Yeah, yeah good. Sim similar to me, but I haven't got into the organs yet. So I can't, just can't seem to get into them. So I take a little dehydrated organ cap capsule, but that's my job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I got them also. Actually, sometimes I use them rarely when I don't have any access, but uh, organs, it's really easy to get. And it's not a thing that I really go crazy for. It's not, yeah. I don't have really a schedule. I know that some influencers and some nutritionists, or I don't know, uh, YouTubers, they say like uh, they, that they eat once a week, ounce of liver, and then they really count it. I think that the body knows really well when to uh, sign, give you the signs that it's missing. And you can also uh, make it really intuitively just uh, you can eat organs whenever you feel like and if you eat some big portion of organs once a month it's also enough yeah, it's really it, up it, to you you just don't need very much uh, you know from what i understand you don't need to eat a whole heap of it just a little bit all right yeah not well, a lot in it have you got to get that to work or are you all right to chat for a bit no i'm no i'm i'm with you here you're right okay because i was just going to um talk around the idea of that on the food pyramid carbohydrates well in australia on the food guidelines carbohydrates don't even have a recommended daily allowance or amount there is nothing for them like um, meat and fat and all of those other um, macronutrients all have a recommended daily intake but carbohydrates have none so it's it's um i guess it makes me query why people would think about I mean, for you, it's different because you need to take them every now and then. But for people who don't need to take them, why they think they need to take them, it's just marketing that we've had thrown our way, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of uh, a lot of marketing is uh, mixed with nutrition science. We know that, and we know that many of the research is uh, is completely gets the the money is from the big industries. You ca you cannot do anything against it, and it's really easy to prove that. But I think that. Um, we all we all know today every educated um biologist or it doesn't matter knows that there is no such thing really as carbohydrates deficiency you no. there's no such thing in the body you can't get no. to this condition but you but you there is a serious condition that's called protein deficiency and with yes. that you you see it also in the poor countries so mm. it's really it's upside down it's like you should really restrict carbohydrates yes and um and you should eat protein and fat. There's no such a thing as, as like a fat overload or uh, from nutrition, basically. And you also can't get to that because your body will will just uh, cannot absorb more. So it's actually it's upside down the all of the, the pyramid. And in Israel, it's the same. And we used to have also uh, restrictions. We still to this day, it's just to change. They change the amount, but the funny restriction uh, about eggs. You know that they say they used to say oh. once. Once a day, you can eat one egg, and then they said one to three eggs once a day, and yep. uh, it also doesn't make any sense but scientifically. We went through that. We went through that in the eighties. I can remember my father-in-law loving eggs, and my mother-in-law telling him he couldn't have any anymore because it wasn't allowed. But they were all <laughs> in the eighties. They were all taken off eggs. Oh, so clearly they didn't. Yeah, take that's them because the, all the cholesterol, you know, the the cholesterol yeah. uh, myth and. Everything that the, the famous Ansel Keys that many people already talked about in podcasts and people that I interviewed, they talked about it, that 
Uh, basically, it's, it still exists to this day. It's amazing that they've done these, these researches, the, all the research that it was, anyway, it was a false research. And uh, it's still relevant to this day because the yes. marketing of this, uh, these research, researches were so, so strong. It's true. It's true. Um, the other thing I was going to quickly touch on as well was the fact of we've already talked about being protein deficient. So as we age and we're protein deficient, we lose muscle mass, which then also makes us more susceptible to in developing insulin resistance, doesn't it? Because the, the muscles um, are the more, I guess, insulin sensitive tissue that uses the insulin up in our bodies, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. They are also the, the one of the biggest consumers of insulin. That's why when you build muscle mass, actually, you become more insulin sensitive. <laughs> it's very yeah. simple uh, biology. Yeah, because I teach Pilates to a lot of women, and I'm always on to them about eating more protein and building muscle on your body. Because I I also teach a group of women that are between seventy and ninety four. Um, we do Pilates with them. They're amazing. But I can see the ones that have been um, able to move more in their lives during their life are much more flexible and, um, I guess, safe on their feet. They're much more not as fragile or, or able to stand up so strongly. Um, they're the people that have moved forever in their lives. So it's important to keep moving and keep your muscle on your body as we get older, which helps you then with the insulin resistance, the insulin developing type do as you get older. It's like a cascading um, pathway. Yeah. Sure. No doubt about it. It's the, mo the most important principle probably that our body holds is use it or lose it you know <laughs> true yes you use it either you use it or you lose it and as you age you see it more and the people that we see them in the societies today some of them call them the blue zones you know and the, yes. there was the societies that weston a price went to to see and to investigate and it doesn't matter where the people that live the longest they were active for all of their adult lives and they never actually stopped and if they walk in the fields if they have to pick up some weight uh, every other day or every day so basically they keep their muscles and our muscles they will give us uh, eventually long longevity because it's all mm -hmm. related as you said it's all related isn't it i was actually just reading i read this book a few years ago um it's called oh how am i going to get it to you it's called pottinger's cats have you read that? Ah, Pottinger's. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the that? Pottinger trial. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I'm just I was just rereading it because I read it probably about 12 years ago. And I just was chatting to someone the other day and I've gotten it back out. So I'm having another read. Great. So much, so much information in there. But he was um he's part of the Western A Price, isn't he? He's he was a student a. of Western A Price, if I yeah. recall correctly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good. And um yeah, and the trial was incredible and Actually, to, to be honest, uh, I, I will expose it to you now that also my cat, I, I brought him to a low-carb diet uh, oh, like, uh, when I changed my, my diet. So <laughs> just, I was experiencing the same and I, I saw amazing um, phenomena with my cat. Uh, he still lives to this day. He's the third thing now. And a lot of things like the, um, his fur, you know, the fur got much smooth, smoother. Oh, oh okay. And yeah, many things, and he is much more satiated because he eats less meals. Um, yeah. He looks more fit. Actually, it's it's amazing. You know, it's it's my own Pottinger trial. <laughs> yeah, he has six pack. He can he fight other cats with no problem. 
it's it's interesting because I know a few of my friends have got um their animals have developed type 2 diabetes now and it's because they're feeding what's going in their bodies it's the same as people really is yeah, the same the, as people yeah and the commercial uh, cat and and dog food is com you, it's completely garbage food it's it's much worse than a than a than people's food and if you see them like especially cats they're the ultimate carnivores in nature oh, but yeah and my even my chickens if i throw some meat into my chickens they go crazy for it <laughs> yeah. me. they are omnivores especially uh the the chickens they sure are all right well i'm going to say thank you while my voice still stays with me it's been a bit shaky the last few weeks and it's, it feels like my cough's coming back so thank you so much for um, sharing that time with us. It's amazing. And I can't believe your story. You're just, you've done such an amazing job. And look where it's led you to. Yeah, I would never imagine. But uh, look, it's it's only getting better. And now we're developing also the our English side of everything that we do. And oh, my online course is going English. And we, we're just uh, getting bigger. You know, it's um, my presence in English. Is a bit new to Instagram and everything, but uh, I, I was doing it in in my country in Israel for many years, so uh, it's good to, so to get the opportunity to speak you? with you. <laughs> where can people find you on your website? Is there a link for an online course, or what have you got there? Yeah, my homepage is now the new homepage in English is tomerpape.com. Uh, Pape with P A W P E and we also now we launched everything the instagram and facebook that's we call it normal blood glucose so normal blood g we we made it uh, sound cool yeah that's that's where i so i follow you on instagram normal blood glucose it's good normal bg it's good you put on lots of stuff there so i'll put those links up in the show notes and uh thank you so much for giving me your time i really really value it thanks Tamar. Yeah. Thank you. See I was you. happy to talk. See All you. Right. Thank you. Bye bye. Oh, that's it. That stopped. Great. Oh, no, it hasn't stopped.